0: What's up guys? Welcome back to the Sports Gamble Ramble. This is SGR 110. We are in wild card weekend in the NFL. The playoffs are here. We only have six games to break down this week, so it's going to be a pretty quick episode here. I've got a couple bets locked in already that I will be giving out throughout this episode, and of course we'll be giving out our picks against the spread um, I'm going to do my best to give you guys my quick analysis, and then the rest is up to you here. Um, not a lot of uh, bullshit or fluff here. We're going to we're gonna kind of jump right into it. We're going to go in order of the games that we have here. Two Saturday games, uh, Seahawks 49ers at 4.30. Then we're going to move on to the Chargers and Jags at 8.15. Then Sunday we have the Dolphins and Bills at 1 o'clock, the Giants and Vikings at 4.30. The Ravens and Bengals at 8-15. And then we get a Monday night game to wrap up. Super wildcard weekend, as they're now calling it, with the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday. So good stuff. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the Seahawks 49ers preview. First game of the weekend, Saturday, four thirty kickoff. We have the seven-seed Seattle Seahawks. Head into San Francisco to take on the two-seed 49ers. The 49ers are home favorites. I have seen the number at 10, and I have recently seen it uh, drop down a little bit to 9.5, recording here Friday afternoon. Um, I mentioned on all my episodes, I shop around for my prices on the Bet Stamp app to uh, save myself some time. I'm signed up on six different books across New York State. And in order to, you know, for me to jump around from book to book every Sunday morning or whenever I'm doing these episodes in my research, it would take way too long. So download Bet Stamp. It's how I look for the difference between those nine and a halves and tens to make sure I'm getting the best value. My referral code is Joseph B. The 49ers... Are um, a powerhouse right now, obviously. It's interesting. This is a matchup between uh, divisional rivals. We actually have three uh, divisional matchups uh, this weekend here in Wildcard Weekend. So, three different um, situations where these teams are playing each other for the third time this year. Uh, Seattle and San Francisco obviously being one of them and then we have the Dolphins and Bills and the Ravens and Bengals playing each other and that makes for some interesting stuff here. I always lean towards unders in those situations. Um, I have bet the under in this one here Seattle San Fran the numbers 42 and a half although I am seeing that drop down to 42 as well. Once again, shop around for those prices. Use BetStamp to do it. You will thank me later. Um, Yeah, I have bet the under in this one. Uh, Got it at 42.5. I'm seeing about 28% of the bets, but 43% of the money on DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, Not a partner, actually, with DraftKings. I just shout them out because I get some pretty decent uh, information off the interweb there. Um, Big cash split there. 28% of bets, 43% of cash on the under here. I will lean with that. Um, This San Francisco defense, very physical. We've seen these teams play twice already this year. I believe both went under. Um, Seattle not having much success against this 49ers defense. I think it makes a lot of sense. I'm trying to talk myself into Seattle with the points here. My pick is going to be Seattle plus 10, again, dropping down to nine and a half in some places. I'm seeing some sharp cash coming in on that. They're not actually getting that much of a cash split on the spread on DraftKings as I'm, I'm seeing uh 72% of bets, 79% of money on San Francisco. That 5% doesn't mean that much to me. However, If you look at the money line splits, I'm seeing 9% of the bets, yet 44% of the money on the money line on DraftKings is being placed on the Seahawks to pull off the upset here at plus 400 odds. That set off some fucking red flags in my mind. It's got me tempted to jump on Seattle plus 10 while I can get it out there. I haven't done it yet because, again, every time I picture how this game goes, it's that San Francisco pass rush swarming around Geno Smith. But I don't know. I think I lean into the points here with the divisional dog. I saw something really interesting in the media earlier this week. I'm not sure if you guys caught Pete Carroll's uh, quote there. Um, talking about how he was really happy and thankful for the Lions getting them in by beating the Packers. He's excited to go on a run here in the playoffs. And then he said, unfortunately, we're playing the 49ers. And he said it kind of jestingly, kind of jokingly. That's how I interpreted it, as if, you know, he had to kind of acknowledge the uh, elephant in the room, like, yeah, we're in the tournament, but nobody's giving us a fucking shot here. And I think that that's kind of that's a crafty veteran coach speaking to his team through the media, in my opinion, and saying, hey, nobody fucking believes in us. Everybody's saying we're going to get our asses kicked by this team. Let's show them that we belong in the playoffs, that we deserve to be here. I don't know how they do it. Maybe Pete Carroll pulls some shit out of his ass. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if this team comes out with that nothing to lose mentality maybe schemes up some trick plays some maybe they connect on a deep shot to Tyler Lockett or two, you know, this Seattle Seahawks team is is a team that relies on kind of those chunk plays in the offense to be there. And while the 49ers defense is obviously not a great matchup for anyone to get away with shit like that. I, I just think they would have to be able to pull some of those off in order to come away with the victory here. Listen to me talk about the Seahawks winning this game and then the spread is 10 points. I don't know. I'm just trying to make a case for it. I am actually, I really didn't know how I was going to do that. And then in my final research here, seeing that cash split kind of uh, opened up the devil's advocate in my brain to say, I don't know, maybe Pete Carroll just has this squad ready to go. Geno Smith, great story this year. Again, do I love the matchup against the 49ers defense? Hell no. And the 49ers are hot. They've won 10 straight. I actually did see a stat this week as I fumble last minute through my notes here. The 49ers, like I said, 10-game winning streak. Um, In the playoffs, there have been 15 games, excuse me, 15 teams to come into the playoffs on a 10-or-more-game win streak uh, and play, um, excuse me, play opening weekend uh their record seven and eight straight up 12 and 13 against the spread so again that San Fran on a 10 game win streak those teams do not do well in their first playoff game typically coming off those hot starts or hot finishes rather two and 13 against the spread historically is a great number I'll take the 10 with Seattle as I find myself talking talking myself into it more and more feels kind of gross but I also think that the public is just so enamored with this 49ers team right now and I don't know. Are they going to blow everybody out, especially all the way through the playoffs with a divisional rival with, you know, again, that kind of nothing to lose underdog mentality. I'm going to lean into it. I think this one is a little bit more competitive than uh, we thought. I am on the under here. That number dropped from 43 and a half now to 42 this week. Haven't locked in any other bets. No player props on this one. Have not bet the spread yet. I, I, I only have the under so far, but As I look at this more and more, I'm trying to talk myself into growing a pair and betting on the Seahawks to cover that 10. That's about it for this game as far as my thoughts and my research. We're going to move on to the Chargers-Jaguars. So the Jaguars beat the Titans last week on Saturday night in prime time to win the division, and now they get to host the five-seed L.A. Chargers- Chargers actually favored in this one, despite the Jaguars being the higher seed. Four seed is a one and a half point home underdog here, over under 47 and a half. I've seen both of those numbers fluctuate across the market. I'm seeing the over under between 47 and 47 and a half, And I've seen this spread between one and a half and two and a half within the last hour here Friday afternoon. So um again shop around for the numbers here. I have already bet on the Chargers in this spot. I really like the Chargers to win this game and cover the small number. One and a half is the number that I got. Again, there are two and a halves out there. Um I think that uh the Jags are just kind of happy to be here. Um they They won their division. Good for them. They're a young team, right? Uh, Doug Peterson, not a young head coach, but first year with the program. And Trevor Lawrence, sophomore season. I know Herbert doesn't have playoff experience either, or Brandon Saley, for that matter, which, you know, we'll get to that in a second. But this Jaguars team got hot over the back end of the season, winning six of their last seven games to steal the AFC South. It's, It's great for them. I'm happy for them. Guys, they needed a uh, fumble recovery for a touchdown with five minutes left in the game to beat Josh Dobbs at home with their season on the line last week. It wasn't a dominant victory over a skeleton crew of the Tennessee Titans. And now you get a legitimate playoff team coming in here. The The Chargers, you know, they're inconsistent. They're up and down. Some people had them as a Super Bowl contender coming into this season. We didn't really see that as far as the eyeball test this, this year. Um, but I trust them more in this situation. The The only thing I think that fucks us here is if Brandon Staley pulls some weird shit as far as decision-making, goes for it instead of kicking a field goal or vice versa at the wrong time. You know He's known to do that, and so I don't love betting on the charters a lot to cover but there's only 6 games this week and i just it's more of a fate of the jags again um barely got by the titans last week young team i think they're happy to have made the playoffs they busted their nut they got to wear the division champ t-shirts and they got to dance in the locker room but it's time to get serious here i i think that it's a bad matchup as far as the way that they play defense and rely on turnovers and QB pressures and the fact that they're going against a guy with Justin Herbert here who is just going to sit in the pocket, you know, stay calm, stay composed. He's not going to give you easy boneheaded turnovers, and he's not afraid. A lot of the way that the Chargers have been playing offensively has been pretty conservative over the second half of this season. They're taking a lot of short, quick throws and just taking what the defense gives them underneath, and I think the Jaguars... That's not good because they're really good at giving up easy completions underneath. Uh, Foyasade Aluokan, um, I believe, led the league in tackles this year. But I, I heard an interesting stat um, from the NFL Ringer show this week. I believe his average depth of tackle is like seven yards deep. So, he, you know, it's not like they're shutting down. Uh, that area of the field it's really more they're doing a lot of cleanup work and I think that again the short passing game the check downs are going to be there for Herbert here and if Jacksonville doesn't come up with a uh, couple of turnovers, like they did against a really bad offense in Tennessee last week. I, I think if this one's a different story. I've already bet on Justin Herbert to go over twenty five and a half completions in this game. The number is minus one twenty five. That was the best odds I saw across the market there. Uh, I guys, I use Bet Stamp for player props too. Just to throw that out there, like it's not just for spreads. There's a ton of stuff that you can track in there. Um, Keenan Allen, I also got over six and a half receptions. That number I saw fluctuate anywhere's between minus 145 and, and minus 165, I believe I saw it at his highest. So again, another reason to look for the best numbers there because that's 20 cents of juice on a player prop. I did lay the minus 145. I think Keenan Allen sees a lot of work in the slot. Mike Williams is not going to be available in this game. That's another thing, like I said, my biggest issue really with the Chargers is the head coach, which is like okay, that's a big fucking issue. I get it. Um, Brandon Staley playing his starters last week deep into the fourth quarter with nothing to gain. They were already locked into the five seed. They were already locked into their matchup against the Jaguars. There was no possible scenario where they move seating at all or their opponent changes. And uh, Mike Williams' uh, back injury last week officially listed as out for this game. So, I I cannot be more critical of that decision to be playing guys last week. Uh, play them for the first half if you want, like the Bucks did, and then pull them, get them out there. Mike Williams shouldn't have been on the field at all, knowing how injury prone that guy is and how he's already missed extended uh, stretches twice this season. Uh, I believe mostly with like ankle and lower body stuff, but the dude is always banged up. Put him in bubble wrap and have him sit on the bench for three hours on Sunday. Get him ready for Wild Card Weekend, but. That said, I think that that even maybe helps this Keenan Allen prop. I think with the season on the line, you go to your studs. I think that Keenan sees a ton of volume, like I said, with the Jaguars struggling to defend uh, that quick underneath passing area so over six and a half catches for Keenan Allen over 25 and a half completions for uh, Justin Herbert and the Chargers minus one and a half I talked about how the Jaguars kind of struggled and barely got by the Titans last week I I, watching that game I've been impressed with Trevor Lawrence and the growth that he's taken like I said winning six out of the the last seven games Um, Over the course of the regular season here, and I believe he finished with a 25 to 8 uh, touchdown to interception ratio off the top of my head. The guy is making plays, but he is also missing plays. He missed a number of throws last week against Tennessee. I've seen him miss throws pretty consistently in the fourth quarter of games this year. He's had some great moments, that game-winning drive against the Baltimore Ravens, probably the signature win of the Jaguars season this year. But I also saw him miss a lot of easy throws, potential game-changing first downs or touchdowns last week against the Titans, and off the top of my head, I believe, uh, earlier in the season, Against the uh, New York Giants, they had a game that they should have, could have, would have won. And watching that game as a guy who had money on the Jaguars to cover there, I was pretty frustrated seeing some of the throws that Trevor Lawrence was missing. Uh, I don't want to disparage, again, the growth and the potential for him as a young franchise quarterback. Not ready this weekend for this test. Against the Chargers team, that um, to to circle back to their side of it, I think they'll be able to pressure Trevor Lawrence, Joey Bosa. Um, not sure if he's hundred percent, but he'll be on the field there, and that's huge for them. Uh, opposite Khalil Mack, I mean, this defense. I don't believe they have J.C. Jackson back. Pretty sure that was a year uh, career or excuse me, a season-ending injury. But the defense at this point uh, playing really good football especially over the last month of the season, relatively healthy, healthier than they have been over the course of the season. And Trevor Lawrence has uh, been rattled by the blitz and by the the pressure, uh, just like most quarterbacks are. Um, I think that this Chargers defense is one that, um, A, has been doing a better job getting pressure on quarterbacks, B, been doing a better job at open field tackling and limiting yards after the catch. Uh, they're going to be – they they, they – excuse me, Um, they played earlier this season in week three, those two teams, and a lot of what the Jaguars were thriving on were um, short completions, low depth of target, and then massive uh, run-after-the-catch ability. And uh, the Chargers, again, their defense has shown um, increased ability to secure tackle limit yards after the catch over this last month of the season. I think that comes into play um pretty long breakdown on this one uh because i had three bets going and i i have uh, looked into this one quite a bit um really feel good about the chargers here mostly based off the arguments that i just said it's not so much based on cash splits things like that Um, but i do feel good about the five seed getting the win and advancing there in the afc So moving over to Sunday, we have got a one o'clock game, another divisional rematch here. Uh, Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills. It is a 13 and a half point spread. I have seen 13 on some books. Um, These first three games that we're breaking down are the only uh, games with varying spreads right now. The last three games, the spreads are static across the market. Um, But these first three have fluctuating numbers across the board. Um, Okay, Dolphins, 13.5. I've seen 13 on some books, but it is rising, rising, rising. I don't remember exactly where this number started this week because... Like, we really didn't know what was going on at QB. But I do know that since the news that Skylar Thompson will be getting the start, I think that was announced uh, Thursday this week, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, this spread has gone from minus 9 to minus 13 and a half for Buffalo. There's really not much to say about this one. I have zero bets on it. I'm trying to figure out if there's a play on the over-under If you have to bet this spread, you lay the points with Buffalo. I don't lay 13-point spreads often in the NFL at all. When I do, I typically get them wrong. Uh, It's like I'll pick the one weekend where the Texans take the Chiefs to overtime. You know what I mean? But um, there's just not much to say about this one. The Buffalo Bills against a seventh-round rookie um, making his, what, third career start in the NFL in the playoffs in buffalo in january in pretty cold weather it's not going to be a blizzard or anything but it's going to be beneath 40 degrees and i saw a stat earlier this week the dolphins um like oh and eight their last eight games played beneath 40 degrees and that goes back like five years or so it's a florida team traveling up north um it's not going to play well and with the qb situation you just i mean guys it's quick analysis like I I sat here trying to like get my thoughts together on all six of these games, thinking, "Wow, there's a couple of big spreads for wildcard Weekend." As we have again, Seattle as a ten point dog, Miami thirteen point dog, and then Baltimore is an eight and a half point dog as well. And I'm sitting here, how do I make the case for these dogs? I found a way to do it with Seattle. I can at least present you guys with a devil's advocate on Baltimore, although I'll be picking Cincy. Spoiler alert. This Dolphins pick, I don't really have anything for you guys. Um, They don't have the defense to shut down Buffalo, and with Skylar Thompson at QB, they won't be able to keep up. Buffalo, on the other hand, there's reports that they could be getting Micah Hyde back, which, like... Yeah, they're going to win this game with or without Micah Hyde. I just wanted to throw that out there because this is really about Buffalo looking ahead to this divisional round. Um, There's a certain part of your gambling gut that wants to say a look-ahead spot in the playoffs with the Bills. The Bills got a massive emotional boost of the tragic magic last week with DeMar Hamlin getting the two kick return touchdowns. Everybody knows about that. I guess you could say some locker room distraction from that you're not going to get that emotional boost two weeks in a row. Maybe they come out a little flat in this one, which I guess lean towards under 43 and a half. Hate to pick every under on the board, but I'm more comfortable with unders, and I guess I would lean there with Skylar Thompson at play, uh, not being able to get up an offensive touchdown for Miami last week. But... I don't know, guys. Maybe tease this. Tease Buffalo down. Uh, you can get them down to take that 13 down to minus 7. That feels good. Um, they'll cover the 7 here in this spot. It's always kind of fishy laying 13.5 to a divisional favorite. But, again, it's Buffalo or nothing on this one. Like You're just not betting on Skylar Thompson in this spot. I don't have any player props locked in yet. Uh, you know, Won't be touching anything on the Miami side. We'll see if we can find an angle. I mean, I would like to try and grab like a rushing prop on you know maybe Devin Singletary, but it's almost like they'll just randomly throw James Cook in there just to fuck that kind of stuff up. So I don't have anything locked in on this game yet, guys, uh, but we're going to move on to the next uh, Sunday afternoon game. Sunday at 4.30, one of the uh, games this weekend that are not divisional rematches, but these teams did play each other in the regular season uh just a couple of weeks ago actually uh we have the new york giants as three point underdogs to the minnesota vikings uh this is the six seed versus the three seed in the nfc uh over under 48 currently um did see that at 48 and a half about an hour ago but right now all books across the market at 48 at about five thirty p.m on friday Um, this one is interesting. You know, I sat around all week, kind of surprised at how many people across the various media markets, how many people I've talked to that like the Giants this weekend. And, you know, it's, let me first say this, this is two teams that I was really looking forward to betting against in wildcard weekend all season long, based on them kind of, uh, uh you know underperforming statistically overperforming in the win column and then they get matched up against each other so that's no good one of these teams has to win i believe based on the rules um i'll lean towards the giants getting the 3 it it's a short number uh i think it's a short number for a reason all these two teams do are play close games all these teams do are play one score games the Vikings, I think 11 wins this season off of one-score games. That's insane. So that'll be a narrative that we hear all off season about the Vikings regressing and maybe winning 9 or 10 games instead of 12 or 13 or whatever the fuck they finished at. Um, you have to take the plus 3 here. The spread when they played, uh, I believe week 16 was it, was 4. And uh, the Giants covered that one, Minnesota winning on a walk-off 61-yard field goal by Greg Joseph. Um, So you got to make this field goal game again, right? Because it was last time, and not much has changed. And again, all these teams do is, uh, I don't know, either keep their opponent in it or not shoot themselves in the foot enough to stick around. It's interesting. Uh, The Giants are a team I did not see making it to the playoffs this year at all. I actually had them under 7.5 wins, so that kind of stinks. Vikings, I had over 8.5 wins, so had a decent read on them this season. I mentioned I'm leaning with the Giants plus 3. On DraftKings, I'm seeing uh, 50% of the bets, but 64% of the money on the spread at plus 3. That's a pretty good split, but the one that really convinced me, similar to uh, that massive angle on the Seahawks' money line, Seahawks' money line plus 400 odds, by the way, to upset the 49ers. Uh, Back to the Giants, their money line's plus 140 right now on books, Uh, at least on Winbet it's plus 140. Some other books a little bit uh, 135, 130 range. Okay, I'm seeing 21% of the bets, but 53% of the money on DraftKings on the Giants' money line at plus 140. That's a massive, massive, massive split. It's too much for me to ignore. You know, I, I kind of um, did think that if there was a dog that would have a shot this weekend, um, along with probably Tampa Bay on Monday, another spoiler alert there, uh, it feels like the short dog with the Giants against the Vikings team that statistically is just flat out bad on defense, uh, specifically in the secondary. This Giants offense had a lot of success with them. Um, Darius Slayton having a big day, if I remember correctly, a few weeks ago when they played. Um, uh, and then Kirk Cousins, I mean, I hate to... Grab at the low-hanging fruit, but guys, it's Kirk Cousins in a meaningful football game. They're not playing this at 1 o'clock. It's an island game. Yeah, he got a win, what, a couple of years ago against the Saints in the playoffs to kind of... Uh, everybody was like, oh, Kirk's, Kirk can win in the playoffs now. Uh, but he really... I mean, let's see him do it consistently um, I think that this Giants team, just they do, they do enough to stick around and they don't shoot themselves in the foot. If we get a couple of bad throws from Kirkie Wink Martindale, the Giants defensive coordinator, loves to blitz, loves to pressure. Kirk Cousins, not good against the blitz. We know this. Giants might be able to take advantage. It's kind of what they did all season long, just sticking around and then grabbing a opportunistic turnover or... Again, just waiting for the other team to fuck up. It's very possible that the Giants pull this one off and grab the upset. It's a tough environment to play in at Minnesota. Um, but the number says a lot, in my opinion. The books have had a great read on this Vikings team all season. And the fact that they are only laying three here at home in the wild card round as the three seed. To a Giants team that really came into this season with very low expectations across, you know, public perception at least. The Giants are very well coached. I think they're another team um, that we talk about coming in with, you know, maybe a nothing to lose mentality. The Giants weren't even supposed to be here this year, guys. I think there's more pressure on the Vikings to show up in this situation. The Giants can just kind of let it all hang out. I think Dable's done a really good job at maximizing Daniel Jones' ugh, relatively limited skill set to be honest. I'm still not a believer in Daniel Jones, but he showed some competence in that system this year. And I think again it's more of a credit to what Dable is doing in that offense and setting him up in advantageous spots and, and making it easy on his quarterback, which is what, you know, a good offensive coach should do. I'm taking the Giants plus the three guys. I'm trying to talk myself into the over in this one too. It's at 48. I noticed it dropped 48. It's been, it's been moving, you know, 47 and a half, 48, 48 and a half, back to 48, um, up and down. Uh, you know, I lean into the over in this one. Um, haven't bet it yet. I think you can talk me into it by Sunday. I do have one prop on here, and although I did just talk up the Giants side quite a bit, I'll mention. I got TJ Hawkinson over four and a half receptions at minus one oh five. I got minus one oh five on BetMGM. Every other book in New York State uh that has Hawkinson's props listed has his over four and a half receptions favored at, you know, minus one twenty five, one thirty five, one forty five, one sixty. Uh BetMGM was by far the best price that I, I saw at minus one oh five odds. So that's another reason to be shopping around out there. And, of course, use used stamp to do so. Um, yeah, I'm on the Hawkinson to have four and a half catches, uh, five catches if you want to call it that. Um, I think he had like 11 against the Giants when they played last time on like 13 targets. Had a massive day. And um, he's been seeing pretty consistent volume since coming over midseason from the Lions. Um, He's kind of taken over that second primary pass-catching role, uh, and Thielen's been kind of getting phased out a little bit more. And um, I did look into, you know, why was he able to have success against this Giants defense? Um, Don't have the specific numbers, but the pattern that I saw basically was that when the giants play an offense that wants to feature the tight end the tight end can have success in the games where the giants shut down the tight end position it was against teams that don't really use the tight end right and that's kind of that's a big thing to pay attention to because like there are some teams in the league like the Ravens, for example, where Mark Andrews is a big part of their offense, the Eagles, um I saw had some success with Dallas Goddard in their matchups as well against the Giants, whereas you know, I noticed the the commanders there were able to do nothing with their tight ends against the Giants. But guys, can you even name is Logan Thomas still the starting tight end for the commanders? If so, he hasn't done shit in two fucking years, so it's that's part of my point here is. Uh, You got to look at what types of offenses are having success at what positions and, like, are they actually trying to use that position to begin with? So I'm on Hawkinson to grab at least five catches because they are using him and the Giants have been able to, like I mentioned, they played the Ravens and Mark Andrews had, like, a fucking field day against them, so... I think if they want to use the tight end, they can against this Giants defense. The pick is Giants plus three. I'm leaning into the over at 48 here, and uh, I have bet on Hawkinson to have at least five catches. Moving on. Sunday at 8.15, we get our final divisional rematch of wildcard weekend. We have the Ravens as the sixth seed in the AFC, heading to three seed Cincinnati. The Bengals are an 8.5-point favorite across the market currently. The over-under is 40.5. I have already bet the under in this game. I think it will continue to drop. I would not be surprised, especially if we get um, news that the Ravens will be without Tyler Huntley. I'm not touching this spread right now because, again, we don't know currently. I guess the, the Lamar Jackson's out. Let's not bury the lead here if you guys haven't heard this week. Lamar Jackson not playing. Um, I don't think the Ravens have much of a chance in this one. I wanted to try to make the case for Harbaugh, the veteran coach, to be able to scheme something up, keep his team in this. The Ravens do have a very good defense, which is how they will have to stay in this one if they do, which is again, part of the reason I'm leaning towards that under 40 and a half here. I think it's a good number to catch. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this one, if anything is going to be a field goal fest based on how these teams play and you know how the Bengals really tightened up down that playoff stretch defensively and just essentially got to the super bowl off of, uh, McPherson kicking for a game. Um, yeah, I like this one to be a bit of a slugfest. And going back to the Ravens quarterback situation, if if this is Tyler Huntley, the number stays 40 and a half. Maybe it gets bet down a little. If it's Anthony Brown, where does this drop to? Like 47 and a half, probably. Maybe lower. Um, he looked horrible last week. Against this Bengals team, and he'll he will look bad again. Like, the guy just shouldn't be starting an NFL game, let alone a playoff game. If it's Huntley, like maybe the Ravens are able to just slow this game the fuck down and grind it out and somehow keep within that number. Again, Harbaugh is a coach that I like to back, especially in the underdog situation. Like, there are certain guys. Specifically in the AFC right now, you know Harbaugh, Tomlin, and Vrabel—just those three guys—I'll bet on almost every time I can because they just figure out. They're just good coaches that figure out how to get the best out of their team. They're gonna play smart defense. They're gonna just—they're gonna stay in it somehow. I can't really make the case for it here given the quarterback situation and the fact that even if it is tyler huntley who does he have to throw to here the ravens are so one-dimensional right now on offense they have absolutely no firepower at wide receiver just injury after injury and they went into this season thin already trading away hollywood brown to the cardinals in the offseason Uh, i mean Rashad Bateman looked, you know, good to start the season. He was injured and now fully gone on IR. And Devor DuVernay also gone. Um, there's just nobody to throw the ball to. There's nobody to move the ball with. I'm grabbing the under. I'm leaning towards the Bengals handling business here and covering that eight and a half. I tried to figure out. I, I felt like really there's a, there's a dog here. There's a dog to grab here, whether it's the Seahawks or the Ravens. Um, both similar spreads wiggling between that, like six and a half to 10 range throughout the week. I, well, Seahawks were probably never six and a half. I think the Ravens opened up there and then moved with the Lamar news. My point is they, it feels like one of these teams is going to be able to like, as the divisional dog with a veteran head coach, figure out a way to stay in it. Um, I don't think the Ravens have the offensive firepower. And I think the Bengals are just legit. They're sound. Uh, Joe Burrow is fucking clutch. They can run the ball. Mixon has had a lot of success against this Ravens defense. The Ravens are pretty good at shutting down the run, but Mixon seems to always rip a big play against them every time that I, I see them you know, on, on red zone or whatever when these two teams run into each other. I'm, uh, I'm going to lean with the bangles on the points, but my favorite bet of this game is under 40 and a half, not trying to overthink this one. That's about it. No player props on this yet. Going to wait and see what the status is. I guess Tyler Huntley's game time decision, so it makes it really easy for people like me trying to predict these outcomes Friday night. But uh, I'm on under 40 and a half, and then we're just going to wait for the QB news to kind of see what else we want to attack on this one. One more game final game of wildcard weekend Monday night 8:15 kickoff uh, we get Joe Buck and Troy Aikman here get to squeeze them in for the wild card uh the, the Dallas Cowboys of course we get to hear uh Troy call another Cowboys game that's always fun um, they're taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers we got Tom Brady sneaking into the playoffs as a eight and nine divisional winner I should have could have would have looked this up has Brady ever gone beneath 500 in the regular ever probably not. I'm surprised we didn't hear more conversation about that this weekend when you talk about a 23 year sample size of a career and the guy has never been a loser and now here he is. 8 and 9, the team stinks, the team stinks to watch. It's not fun. That said, I'm picking the Bucks here. They're two and a half point home underdogs. The over-under is 45 here, as I've also seen a 45 and a half across the market there. But the two and a half is stagnant. Opened at three, got bet down. Sharp bettors grabbing that plus three with the field goal here. This one could come down to a field goal, or we could just see Dallas with another epic Cowboys choke job like we seem to get every year in the playoffs. I have to go with the Bucks here again, home dog. Bucks money line, plus 120 on this one. On DraftKings is getting 35% of the bets, but 52% of the money. One of the tastiest cash splits I've seen all weekend here. I mentioned the other ones that I saw on the Seahawks money line and on the Giants money line. This Bucks money line is getting serious love too. I guess the dogs in the NFC uh, getting a little sharp action here. Um, I really think Dallas finds a way to fuck it up again. Um, Dak Prescott, if you guys aren't paying attention, led the league in interceptions this year, despite playing like five less games than everybody else he was competing with for that. Uh, the guy's having a bad season, and I think that this Tampa Bay Bucks defense has been playing very good. Um, They're not really getting a whole lot of credit because the story is how bad the offense is. But the D, I think, can give Dallas some trouble. Um, Again, it's more of just, I think Dak finds a way to fuck this up. I've noticed, and this is a theory I've been kicking around and something that I was trying to get out in one of these episodes here, and I guess this is as good a time as ever to do it. I see guys like Dak and even Russell Wilson right now. At this point in their careers, I went and looked up. Dak is 29, Russ is 34, so a big difference there. But the point that I'm getting at, these guys, as they get into the second, third stage of their careers, maybe... The running production drops off just a little. You don't see Dak using his legs a whole lot these days, whether it's due to age. Again, only 29. He's not old, but he's not 23 anymore either. And maybe trying to preserve his body a little bit. He did suffer that brutal ankle injury a couple of years ago. Maybe he's just... He's not trying to use his legs as much anymore. Whatever it is, the rushing production's gone down, and we've seen it in Russell Wilson as well this year in Denver. I mean, if you think back to Prime Russ on his rookie contract, he was one of the most electric mobile quarterbacks we'd ever seen. How many, you know, electrifying Russ scrambles did we see this year or last year or the year before that? The legs have kind of dropped off. And I think when you see these guys get to that point in their career, these guys that really their bread and butter was having that ability to extend the play and use their athleticism to like, do things that other quarterbacks can't do from within the pocket, once that part of the game goes away, I don't know. Can, can Dak win games with just his arm from inside the pocket? I mean, Russell Wilson this year fucking couldn't. We saw that. And maybe a little bit of a different situation because he did change teams. But I'm not seeing Dak Prescott play his best football right now, and I'm kind of eager to bet against it. It it almost seems like low-hanging fruit because everybody talks all year about how the Cowboys will choke when we get to the playoffs as if it's just a sure thing. But I think it's going to happen again. I mean, it seems like... Yeah, the public narrative is Dallas will choke, Dallas will choke. I think the public narrative here is that Brady is washed and the Bucks stink. I talked about how 65% of the market on DraftKings is betting on Dallas to win this game, but the money's not there. The money's on Tampa Bay. Again, I think the matchup is the Bucks defense against the Cowboys' offense. It's C.D. Lamb, inconsistent, explosive at times, disappears at times. If they can bottle up the running backs there, um, I mean Dalton Schultz, good tight end, but like they're not deep necessarily at the offensive playmaker position. The offensive line is not what it used to be. I love Jason Peters to death. Jason Peters maybe gonna be a Ring of Honor player for the Eagles someday once he uh, hangs it up. But he's the starting left tackle for the Cowboys right now. Um, unfortunately. He's like 40 years old. Like that offensive line isn't what it used to be. If they can get pressure on Dak, make him feel uncomfortable. I think Brady finds a way. I mean, and l- let's just go full-blown conspiracy theory here. The the ref's probably going to try and get Brady through this round, I would think. Uh, you know, I hate to be that guy. For any of you guys that have actually stuck with me over the long term here, uh, maybe you anticipated a, a theory like that, and then for those of you just checking out right now, you're going to say, this guy's fucking crazy. I'm, I'm done with this bullshit. Um, I really do think there could be something there. I'm not saying it's a guarantee. I'm not saying that's how we win this bet, but like, if you're watching this game and you see some weird shit happening in the second half with roughing the passer or some ticky-tack bull, I'm just saying, like, if you see it happening... Let's not be surprised. We know what they're doing. We know what they've been doing for years. Um, I like this. I haven't bet it yet. I will talk myself into it. Um, Feels gross, but with that cash split, it gave me a little bit more confidence, kind of backed up where my gut was already at. I think Tampa Bay finds a way to win this playoff game. I guess the last point that I'll make here is, yeah, they've stunk all regular season, but I think that they're the kind of team that has known sort of all along, okay, we're gonna get in, and what's gonna matter is, is 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 if we can take advantage of it and if we can play our best football when we're in, when it matters. You know, a lot of those Patriots teams throughout Tom's history there, they would often start out like two and two, you know, start out pretty slow, maybe four and three or whatever, and then just get super hot over the, the back end of the season and get right for the playoffs. And while this team is missing that regular season run that a lot of those teams had, I think that there is something to knowing, like, hey, like we've, we've crawled through a mile and a half of shit, and we've made it to the other side. And we're here now, and we have just as much of a shot as anybody else, and we've got a home playoff game, and it doesn't matter if we're underdogs. It doesn't matter if we only won eight games and this team won 12. Like, let's just go win this game. And this team has a lot of people that have done that. I mean, this team has a lot of people that were on that Super Bowl team two years ago. And I also think that they're very aware of the fact that maybe this is the last season Brady's there. Maybe this is the last run they have at this. So let's go fucking do it. So, um, yeah, I think Tampa Bay does win this one. I think Dallas finds a way to fuck it up. And then we'll have a couple of fun narratives this offseason. We'll get to talk about, you know, despite going 12-5 and five for the second year in a row in the regular season, Mike McCarthy still does not have a playoff win for the Dallas Cowboys. Sean Payton, rumors lurking around the NFL right now. I'm just saying there's going to be a lot to chat about. But I think I'm picking the Bucks to upset. I guess I'm leaning dogs in the NFC favorites in the AFC. Didn't really intend to uh, go that route, but that's kind of where we ended up, huh, guys? So again, please, uh, I'm going to remind you like I do in every episode. Follow me on Instagram for all my final bets posted day of games. Uh, also download the betstamp app as they are uh, you know good friends of mine and they also help me a lot save time on game day find the best prices i also i follow some verified bettors on there and it's really cool cuz you can see like their return on investment their track record and you can know who you should be fading and following there's a lot of cool stuff on there Um, I will be back next week as we break down the divisional round. Uh, Please notice that we did not talk about the Kansas City Chiefs or Philadelphia Eagles on this episode because they have the week off. Uh, You guys have the week off as well of hearing me give biased uh, bullshit takes on why the Eagles are going to dominate every single week. So, uh, So there you go. There you go. All right, I'm out of here. I'm wrapping it up. Thank you guys. Good luck wildcard weekend. Uh, stay in touch on the Instagram at SGRPod. Uh, thanks for listening and ramble on.